Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason. Today with me is Alex Schur. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. I am from California. So Gavin Newsom, governor of California, recently visited China, and he had there were some really amazing bloopers I want to talk about. But what does his trip mean for the future of California, China, Sino-U.S. relations and climate change, which is why he was here, business and climate change. I think this is really exciting as a Californian yep. because, you know, I'm a big fan of China. I also am a big California fan. I love my home state. And I think it's amazing that governors are starting to, on a sub-national level, as he he put it on his own website. On a subnational level, American leaders are visiting China to improve, you know, relationships. What do you think about this? I just know that I saw a lot of video clips of Gavin Newsom interacting with not just government officials, but also a lot of Chinese people. I don't know if you saw the video of him playing basketball. Oh, gosh. With, <laughs> hey, it was a great video. OK, <laughs> he was really into it. It was. I watched it like 10 times. And then he, okay, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but he did fall. And then the kid was like tripping as well. And they were, you were trying to get each other up. And it was a very relaxed and very, I would say, genuine session of just a governor. What's a governor? I'm sorry, a governor, a governor, (laughs) governor, Newsomer. Newsomer. (laughs) sorry, a governor (laughs) of a United State is interacting with Chinese primary school kids. And that was a beautiful image to look at. Well, I mean, I got to say, you made it sound a lot nicer. He fell on a child. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying there is an age difference and advantage and disadvantage in play as well, you know, and this is not really related to his visit, but she's talking about kids falling. I just recently came to the realization that when little babies fall, it didn't hurt as much because they're a lot closer to the ground than we are. You know, they also don't have fused bones. So they're actually yeah. like, each one of their bones in their arm is three pieces until they're like two or three years old. That's true. That's a true fact. Wow. Don't test that. I don't want to see little babies with bent arms. <laughs> but, but they're actually not fused together completely. Anyways, yeah. I thought it was bizarre because Gavin Newsom, he's clearly embarrassed and he instantaneously you reacted could tell, you could tell, by yeah. patting the child on the back yep. really hard as he was getting up. And I thought he was trying to basically be like, don't worry, I can hit you some more. I know. <laughs> you know, you, there is, I've had those pats where like they're trying the other person or the other party was just trying to be nice. But I was like, your hand is really yeah, powerful. Yeah. So you probably want to stop patting because it's hurting me a little. But it was all good intention for sure. And it just looked like they were having so much fun. Yeah. The child did not look like they were seriously hurt. It just looked funny. It was kind of like I couldn't stop watching it. Honestly, it was like <laughs> looping on my Twitter for like a few minutes. I was like, I can't believe how bad it embarrassed us. <laughs> I rewatched it a couple of times as well. But hey, it's not every day that kids in a, a regular school just get to play basketball with the governor of the California or just yeah. even just any random foreigner stranger wearing suits on their playground. He was also in 
China for a long time. You know, when you hear about like, okay, Putin's coming to China, Biden's coming to China. They're like here for like two days. They're gone. Wow. This is over. He was like a week and a half later and I was still (laughs) getting feed. Now Gavin's over doing this. Gavin's doing that. I was like, he's still here? Oh my God. Yeah. And he was going to different cities as well. So it's like a big grand China tour. Mm -hmm. So he came to Beijing and I actually had kind of a bet. I met up with a friend of mine. His name is Professor Joseph Gregory Mahoney of China East Normal University in Shanghai. Mm. And we were discussing privately, will President Xi Jinping give Gavin Newsom a, you know, a meeting? Yeah. And I said, no way. He's the president. Why would he meet just a governor? Mm. And Professor Mahoney's argument was this will set a good example that China is open to, you know, international visitors. Mm. And he was right because <laughs> Xi Jinping and Wang Yi and several other major Chinese politicians yep. met with Gavin and they gave him yep. the time of day, which is very respectful. And I see why that would be a good way to conduct international affairs. Absolutely. And it's just very encouraging, you know, amid all of the recent happenings of things around the world to see high level officials between China and the U.S. meeting together. Honestly, anytime I see China's foreign minister going to the U.S. or any other countries really and meeting with their government officials, it's always a good sign. That means the two countries are talking and whatever conflicts or issues that needed to be squared and resolved are probably seeing the light of day very soon with these talks that are happening. So when, when Gavin Newsom came and I was like, you know what? California has always had that kind of sunny image and even Chinese people who've never been to the United States know about California. So it's kind of important for one of the states that carry the biggest names out of all the states in America mm-hmm. came here and, you know, he's built, I'd like to say for the past week and a half, he's probably built a pretty good image of himself in the Chinese public's eyes. Yeah, I think he did a good job. He A lot of the things he said were the kinds of things that I always hope Biden would say. So, you know, another thing is a lot of people that I asked about this, they think that this is Gavin Newsom announcing that he's preparing to run for a future presidential election. And I've heard that for years for, that he was yeah. being groomed by Nancy Pelosi as a future potential internet, you know, contender for the presidency. Now that he's, you know, shaking hands with some of the most important leaders in the world, he's certainly put himself as out there as someone who's mm. capable because, you know, the things he said, we cannot get divorced, for example. That was one of the things that he said, you know, that China and the United States were, you know, interdependent. And that was something, you know, that's true. It's you know, we're quote. so interdependent and that's our relationship is critical. If California was its own nation state, then it would be the fifth largest economy in the world. And Gavin Newsom also said on his website, and maybe also here while he was in China, (laughs) that California's number one trading partner, if you add exports and imports together, is China. So California also is, you know, has a long history of Chinese people coming over with, you know, San Francisco, Los Angeles, building Mm. railroads, all kinds of things. And they're, you know, if you go to San Francisco, it's like half Chinese. So I think California has a very deep relationship with the rest of the Pacific. So California and uh, China, they're both Pacific. Definitely. I wouldn't say nations because California is not a nation, but they're both Pacific facing and they have a lot in common. And, you know, speaking of uh, San Francisco, there's good news coming for direct flights between San Francisco and Beijing. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if all of our listeners have been kind of following up on the resumption of flights between China and America. It's picking up, but it's going at a slower pace. Pace, but that changed just last week when United, mm-hmm. I was always trying to say there's something that comes up after United, but it's just United. United Airlines just announced that they're going to resume a daily direct flight between Beijing
Beijing and San Francisco. And I think China Airlines are going to follow suit as well. So that's a really good sign. And San Francisco is probably one of the leading municipalities in California that does a lot of trade and business with China. So it's just overall really good sign. Absolutely. I've never, when they used to have that flight, I could never take it. It was always too expensive. <laughs> Every time I would fly SFO to Vancouver, Vancouver yeah. to, to Beijing, because it's so expensive flying Beijing to San Francisco. I guess there's just so yeah. much demand going between San Francisco and Beijing that the prices for that particular ticket are typically a little bit higher than some of the other cities. Like yeah. so I flew from Beijing to Los Angeles to San Francisco one time. It was cheaper than going directly to San Francisco. Anyways. Anyway, I mean, I don't, I mean, make it cheaper, make well, it cheaper, yeah. please. If they have more than one daily, maybe they could make it affordable for us, you know, plebs like me. Oh. <laughs> I also noticed that was something that interesting, and I don't mean to be too critical of Gavin Newsom. He seems like a, a nice fellow in terms of his overtures to China, mm. at least. I was very satisfied. But did you notice that he was wearing the same suit every day? Maybe it's just like 10 different same suits, Jason. He's just changing. Or it's... He he had the same blue suit and blue tie and white shirt. Or maybe it's just very <laughs> subtle different right. shades of blue. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, get some more ties, guy. I was just saying. I think it's a very Democrat thing right now to wear blue. Blue seems to be like, we're Democrats. And so lots of blue in the Democrat side of things. And Gavin Newsom was sporting blue, blue, blue. Uh. Did you see him playing with the uh, BYD vehicle? I did. I did. I did. What did you think? You know what? It's uh, something that we are probably a little spoiled of when it comes to EVs in China because when it happened, it just happened overnight. Not overnight, mm -hmm. but, oh, yeah. you know, before mm -hmm. you realize... Yeah, two or three years, it went from like you had an industry to it's everywhere. Pretty much. And then they kept coming out with really beautiful vehicles. It's not just like I remember yeah. when EV first became a thing. I was like, nobody's going to buy EV. They're so ugly. They all look so square to look like a box. <laughs> now you go on the street, you see a really nice sports car and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, it's an EV. Mm. So a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned in our last show that we brought, you know, like industry, film industry and animation industry experts to China. And they they, one of them was just constantly blown away by the fact that this car they're seeing is EV. And he would say things like, oh, my God, did you see that? Did you see the car? Did you see the car that just drove away and didn't make a noise because EVs are so quiet? And then the way that they're so beautiful, we kind of take it for granted already. <laughs> We're used to it. And so the other day when he got a, we called a Didi and it was a, one of the nicer BYD cars that he had been seeing, like, you know, he had been spotting in the city. When he got into it, he was like, oh, my God. I got to ride in the build your dream car and he was genuinely really really excited so it's the kind of same thing with Gavin Newsom I was like you probably didn't think or <laughs> not that I didn't think I know there's Tesla and stuff but it's just seeing people interacting with Chinese EVs is let alone a governor of California it's pretty exciting for me as a Chinese person the whole thing was cute because he was like doing these uh I don't know what they call it. It's not like a donut because he was literally in place. The wheels were like all spinning in different directions. And it's just spinning yeah, in yeah, place. Yeah. So it's showing you could park anywhere or like turn on a dime. Literally, it was really impressive. And then he was smiling and giggling the whole time. And when he got out of the car, he said, I'll take 
too. Yeah. So I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. But you know what I was thinking when I was watching that? I was like, just wait for technology to advance a little bit more so that um, when I get my driver's license, which I still don't have, <laughs> and I don't need to learn how to parallel park, my car just moves parallel into the parking spot. And that'll be great. Mm. Well, you know, I wanted to point out because I've heard this a couple times as long as we're on the topic of EVs. And this is something that's important because California wants to import Chinese EVs because Chinese EVs are very affordable. And a lot of Germans are buying BYDs now because they're yeah. more affordable than, you know, brands. Yeah, they're pretty. They have great options like tires that they'll replace for two years and all kinds of things. So Californians are eager to get them and we need to get them from yeah. here to there. Also, he visited the Tesla factory. A lot of people say this is troubling for me that EVs are slow because they're electric. You know, that was true in 1992, guys. But like now that it's 2023, a Tesla literally takes a Lamborghini. <laughs> so like, if, I mean, if you're going up to 300 miles per hour in that range, the Lamborghini is going to win. Yeah. But for the first hundred miles an hour, the Tesla is going to get there way faster. So like if you're worried about going normal speeds on a, like an 80 mile an hour yeah. freeway in the United States of America, or you're you know talking about travel in Germany, uh, then you are going to get everything that you want out of a Tesla or a BYD or some kind of electronic vehicle. They are going to dust Ferraris, dust Lamborghinis and all of their competition. Motor vehicles have to burn fuel to get yeah. there. They need to actually produce that. The electric vehicles like I have all this electricity. I just go as fast as I want, as quick as I want, and they get there really, really quickly. So electric vehicles for those of you who are car fans, which I am not really a huge car fan. I would recommend an electric vehicle. Okay, so Gavin Newsom is eager to yeah. learn from China. One of the big problems California has a long history of is red tape. Problem, you know, regulations getting in the way of rapid progress. And so Gavin Newsom is essentially saying, we're going to cut red tape mm. to increase trade with China, to allow things like BYD and solar panels and wind power to flow between these two yep. powerhouses. And there's actually a think tank that was founded several years ago for that purpose, which is, uh, I think it's UC Berkeley mm. and Tsinghua University have linked up and created yeah. a think tank about environmentalism, about things like solar, about things like electronic vehicles, and how can mm. China learn things from California and how can California learn things from China because both have their strategic advantages. And so this is a great opportunity for both of our people to really get together and create the best outcome for Mother yeah. Earth and for our consumers as well. Yeah, absolutely. And including the problems that California kind of went through in the 80s and some things that we are going through, we've been going through, even though things are improved a lot. There's some things, there are a lot for mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, air pollution and all of those problems that we mm -hmm. have both mm -hmm. successfully resolved. In. And there's probably a lot of experience that we could share and, you know, cross check and come up with better mm -hmm. prevention strategies for the future. listening to The Bridge. Okay, so this is from the office of Governor Gavin Newsom. Governor Newsom's last day in China advances new climate partnership with Shanghai. So they actually signed an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, which I read. Mm. It's not actually that long. It's like six or seven pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also says <laughs> it is not legally binding. So it was more like, hey, let's get along, buddy, shaking hands kind of thing. Yeah, there's an intention there. Yeah, there's, you know, exactly. some, like, some will. But, yeah. you know, they put in some strategies for accelerating clean transportation action, specifically in California, because 
because China is kind of already leading the way on this. Now, I have some statistics I want to show. This is from Statista, and this was a little bit old. It's 2019. Mm. China charging ahead with electric bus rollout. And at that time in 2019, North America had 2,000. 200 electric buses in 2019, and China had half a million. So it's clear that China's leading the way in electric <laughs> bus rollout, but this is something California is trying to catch up on. Yeah. China is trying to build out its electric buses to reduce uh, fossil fuel emissions as well. And so Chinese companies, you know, working closely with California companies yep. can maybe resolve some of these issues that California is having with getting this technology out more rapidly. Speaking of California public transportation, I was just wondering this, and there's absolutely no data or no facts or study that backs this assumption. It's not whatever you call it, like a theory. I was wondering, is it possible that, you know, Californians, California residents are less willing to take public transportation because it's never been a big part of their life? Because the normal commute for everybody is driving, whereas people that are from, for example, New York or, or London, <laughs> Beijing, Shanghai, were just more right. comfortable with the idea of hopping on the subway or hopping on a bus, which is my recent obsession. I'm preferring. Really? Yeah, because the bus stops are more bus stops than there are subway stops. So I don't have to walk as much. Wow. I've always just found the, I mean, okay, I got to complain about something. Let's hear it. Let's hear it, Jason. This is a rarity for Jason. Jason's usually like, yay, China. In San Francisco, if you walk up to a public map of the uh, bus system, San Francisco Mm -hmm. bus system, it has in different colors, the entire route mapped out on the map of the city. So you can tell where every bus is going very easily. So you don't have to know the names of all the streets and everything. I could just do that. Okay, I want to go to this general area. I don't mind walking a block or two. Uh-huh. That bus comes by here. I'm jumping on it. Yay. If you go to a bus stop in Beijing, it is in Chinese the names of the stops. That's it. You get the names of the stops. So if you don't know the names of the streets of where you're going or you can't read the Chinese, yeah. the bus system is totally useless. You can't access it. I will say that if every bus route is labeled out in color, <laughs> it would it would be a beautiful, would, like, you yes. know, Mon- I don't know. What's the what right word? Pollock. It? Like a, it would be a Jackson Pollock. <laughs> it'll be the full city covered in different beautiful colors. But I will say that, you know, that's a very good point. I think some bus stops do have the name of the stops in pinyin system so you can read it out if you know the stop you're going mm-hmm. to but it will be a very good suggestion actually because i've actually seen quite a few expats waiting for buses uh, when i was on the bus and i think that's a great option it's a very local way of living and it kind of relaxes you because it doesn't go that fast and Maybe because I was on the bus a lot during this fall. So it was like really beautiful weather and the windows were open. There's a nice breeze. Maybe wintertime is a different story. Mm. I'm going to find out. But I think it's a good suggestion. <laughs> you should do I your should. own like video. I should. You I should, should do a vlog about this. <laughs> Alex on the bus. Alex's experience of right? the bus system in Beijing. Right. Oh, that's a yeah, good idea. Go. That's a good title. Alex and the bus. It sounds like a kid's story. But I think it's a good suggestion <laughs> to have. And then on the other hand, think about it. It's not that much slower than taking the subway, maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes difference, but it's very friendly to the environment. I think, in fact, it's way more flexible. And I think, in fact, that all buses in Beijing, or at least within the fifth ring, are all 
electric vehicles are all like electric buses. There's no when a yeah. bus goes by you in San Francisco, you smell it. You know, <laughs> but when a bus travels by you in Beijing, you only hear it. And you that's barely that's hear true. it. Actually, you hear it because yeah. it's big, and when it makes that breaking noise, you hear it. But it's, you know, it's 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 like a very gassy giant that comes next to you when it stops. But it is very nice. I recommend everyone to at least try to take the bus a couple of times a week. I want to say you're right as an American. You're absolutely 100 right, California. For, unless you're inside a very major metropolitan area like San Francisco, like Oakland, like uh, Los Angeles, like San Diego, then if you're outside of those areas, it's usually requirement that you have a car. But, you know, that's why BYD and Tesla mm. and all these other companies, they can maybe help California accelerate their transition to electronic vehicles, which, again, I've got some data on. China is still winning the race to electronic vehicles. This is 10 years of global EV sales up to the year 2021. It is by Element mm. 5 which is part of visualcapitalist.com. And China is more than half of all EV sales on Earth, according to this chart. So that would suggest that maybe California yeah. and the United States haven't quite got to where China is. And if you walk around on the streets of Beijing, okay, let's tell me a different, I want to tell you a different story. I arrived in Beijing in 2012 and I was eager to see what is China really like. Yes. And I immediately remember seeing like wooden carts sometimes, this is rare, and also like purple Lamborghinis, also very rare. But you know, there were a lot of super expensive like street cars, like, you know, mm. racing cars on the streets, Ferraris and Porsches and tons of Lambos. Actually, there was like an obsession with Lamborghinis. And now when you walk around on the streets, you don't see wooden carts anymore either. Yeah. Well, hardly. It's like, you know, one out of 20,000 vehicles you see or something, but you do see is half. Okay. You can see it on the license plates because they have green license mm. plates for EVs. So you can have a, where it starts with the letter a again, and you can see that roughly half of all the cars you see in Beijing are electric vehicles. You know, in a city of 25 million yeah. people where I don't know what are they, they must have a couple million cars. So that's amazing. And I, if California could catch up with that. That would be amazing for the air quality for people in Argentina in you know, South Africa, everywhere. So we all benefit from this combination of California and China working yeah, oh, together. Absolutely. I want to read a couple of quotes. I know I've taken a lot of time. I'm going to keep taking time. Absolutely. Quote, and this is from Gavin Newsom. California's partnership with Shanghai spans decades back to 1980 when the late great Senator Dianne Feinstein, then San Francisco mayor, forged the San Francisco-Shanghai mm -hmm. sister city relationship. So I think that's really interesting. A lot of people don't realize there are about 200 cities in China that have sister cities in the United States. Oh, wow. That's a lot more than I thought there would be. Yeah. So cities all over China are linked in a sister city relationship with cities all over the United States. So, you you know, for you nerds out there, you might want to go on Google and find out if your city in the United States is linked up with a city in China, because very likely it is. I mean, if they could make all direct flights between these cities, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So there's like some town, right, called like uh, Oakdale, California. It doesn't have an airport. So if it has a sister city in China, I don't think that's going to work out for 
you. It was still direct you to Oakdale's close to what? I'm not really familiar with the geography. There's an airport in Modesto, but they don't fly international. They fly like two oh, other nearby towns. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, small towns. Okay. So I wanted to read a couple more things. Some of the goals, and I don't understand all of this because this is a lot Let's of bureaucratic mm-hmm. stuff. Cleaning up. These are things that Shanghai and California are have planned to work on together. Cleaning up our ports. One, cutting emissions from shipping. Mm. Two, and we already mentioned speeding up our transition to electric vehicles. Now, this is interesting to me because some of the fastest ports that are like literally like 10 times faster than other ports around the world are all in China. So I think when he says cleaning up our ports, Mm. he's talking about California again. And when he is talking about, I'm sorry, I am a Californian. So I'm not trying to point my finger at California, but that's where it needs to be pointed. Cutting emissions from shipping. You know, we ship a high speed rail here in China and you guys are in America are using diesel trucks mostly. So who are we talking? Who is? Yeah. If you weren't talking about big electronic vehicles to use for shipping, what you should just do is get a bunch of electric, you know, high speed rail lanes in California, like you've been promising since like 1990. And then no problem. You can be like China where we just ship everything around electronically. You know, (laughs) I don't think that people understand is the high speed rail in China is electric. It comes from the electric grid. The so-called high speed rail that they just announced in Florida about a month and a half ago is diesel, even though it only goes 150 miles an hour, which is still like slower than the actual international requirement for high-speed rail. Sorry. But if you guys want to catch up with, with China, there's a lot of catching up to do technologically and environmentally. I mean, I can sort of understand these kind of uh, missions to achieve. It probably has more to do with a environmental protection and also wondering, you know, the time that it takes for goods and products to be shipped between China and the U.S. or, you know, China and and California specifically probably still takes a a long time. Maybe there's some Mm. plan to make the sea shipping a little faster than 20 days. Mm. Well, I think one of the things that is affecting Americans, not just Californians, is shipping because, you know, China obviously makes some of the highest quality, lowest price point goods in the world. But if they're trapped at the port of San Diego for like two months, then that actually drives up the cost for those items. (laughs) So American ports need to be modernized to the same standard where like China has like robots running around an AI. It looks like an Amazon warehouse, right? So that that is take an Amazon warehouse and apply that to every port in China. That is where we are. But uh, unfortunately, the American American port system doesn't work that way. And I think that might be related to unions. I don't know. I'm not I'm pro-union, but if the unions are in the way, then they're driving up the cost of all products for Americans, which is increasing inflation and CPI problems. So yeah. it is important that we modernize US ports. And if China can help do that, that would be great. Thanks for listening to my breath. But I was just reading uh, and watching on these um you know, distribution data, and, and it's from a, a variety show. I'm not trying to become an economist. It just happens to be introduced on a, a traveling variety show that I love to watch. Mm. They were saying, you know, the reason why the overall shipping speed is still slower compared with China, the sea or the air transport is one part getting from the goods and products from China to the U.S., but then there's also what, what they always talk about, the last mile of delivery, and that is still pretty, pretty, pretty slow. And I was mm. watching this show, and this guy who runs one of the biggest, you know, courier services in the Middle East. He was giving status. He said, you know, if we're asking one person, Mm -hmm. one worker to hand distribute and, you know, pick out 
where the packages are going to go. The most packages this person can do in a day is about three to four hundred. But with the machine that they've built and this giant, they showed this giant factory or warehouse or distribution center, whatever you call it, where they can find the packages that are going to the right region and send the packages to that truck, whatever. That whole place could process 40 to 50,000 packages every single day and so their capacity of you know shipping and sending packages every year goes up to the billions wow so you know that's something that can be considered but i know people are going to say you know other people are going to be out of jobs if you replace hand picking by machines but hey you know they're probably other jobs that can be created in that process we're not experts we're just putting the numbers out here you know yeah, I don't, I don't know where those jobs co- come from. Maybe green energy. Apparently, 13.7 million new jobs by 2030 in the green energy sector. So, you know, if you're looking for new jobs and you're a young person, you might want to start learning about mm-hmm. how to install solar panels, how to install wind, how to maintain wind energy devices, because there's a huge future in that. And to add to your point, I was in an Alibaba shipping center last year. Oh, I bet that looked even crazier. It was unbelievable. So, there's describe please describe for us there was it was really simple i thought this was going to be huge there's going to be robots everywhere it's going to look ridiculous i got in and they hadn't started yet and there was just a one like how do you say like a a high school field track uh shaped uh conveyor belt but like about half that size and it was just a bunch of metal and it had like these little paddles on it and i was like and then there were a bunch of shoots on the sides and i was like i don't get it this is supposed to be high tech Mm -hmm. i'm just like I can't believe you guys had me come here. What a waste of my time. <laughs> they brought me up to the second floor to overlook. And then the machines were turned on because the all the delivery people were coming in for that cycle. And then this truck pulled up and they dumped all these boxes, which have like RFID codes, which is, you know, like a little chip that transmits through the air electromagnetic signals. And they dumped it on the conveyor belt and the conveyor belt started going slowly. Mm. And the paddles just threw with like just (laughs) the perfect amount of energy. Every package that crossed it to exactly where it went to go. So when it turned on, it looked like hundreds of little things flying through the air into baskets. And I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) And then like gently, gently, very gently. (laughs) They just landed with the perfect amount of energy exactly where they were supposed to go. And after about 10 minutes, those that huge truck was just Everything was sorted. All the people threw it on the back of their vehicles and just zoomed away. And I was like, okay, it doesn't look amazing at first. But when you see it in action, you're like, there's no, you know, that would have taken like a hundred people all day to sort without that machine. It was amazing. Absolutely. And that's if nobody makes mistakes and which is impossible when it comes to humans. Yeah, it was remarkable. Okay. So we have the Tesla Gigafactory, which uh, Elon Musk formed in Mm. Shanghai. And I think it's interesting because it's not just that battery packs are sold in China. So that's a mistake. So when Tesla came over to Shanghai and opened this facility, this facility is to sell products to greater Asia. So yes, there's one in California that sells to the Americas. Now there's one in Shanghai and that covers Asia. So Tesla, you know, didn't just hire locals to sell Mm -hmm. just in the Chinese market. This factory employs Chinese people with a, uh, you know, Texas, California based brand, Elon Musk, and they produce battery packs for all over greater Asia. So if you're in India and you're buying one of these battery packs, you're probably getting it from Shanghai. If you're in Japan, you're getting it from Shanghai. And if you're in China, you're 
getting it from Shanghai. And, you know, while a lot of Shanghai people, Shanghai run, are employed at this mm-hmm. factory, a lot of the profit margin is going to investors in the United States. So this is an interlinked way of looking at it. We're all kind of benefiting. The person in India gets the product they want. People in Shanghai get the jobs they want. And the American investor gets some cash. Absolutely. And Chinese EV brands are doing the same in other countries as well. Mm. There have Mm. been quite a few EV makers that have built up their battery plants in Southeast Asia and elsewhere in the world, even in Europe, just to diversify the producing sites of the batteries so that for the community that are close to these sites, they can get the batteries faster and they don't have to pay a high shipping cost. And that kind of builds up the overall worldly ecosystem for EVs to be more popular than it is right now. And there's, I think we covered this before when we talked about EV extensively, there are a lot of recycling plants for EV batteries to be recycled so they're not tossed aside after they are used and they won't bring any burden to the environment and they will be recycled for other purposes. Well, okay. So I want to go into the specifics of why maybe EVs haven't caught on in America, where they have caught on in Europe and they have caught on in China. Gavin Newsom came to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in China, one of the first things that China, a lot of people point the finger at China, look, China's wasting money building something no one's using. And that's true, but then immediately yeah, right. <laughs> afterwards, China starts using it as everyone's like, oh, that's why. So this happened with a lot of different yeah. kinds of projects. Like I've been out to the countryside, you know, 10 years ago, and a, suddenly there's a subway stop in the middle of like a cornfield. And I'm like, okay, what's this doing here? <laughs> I guess they really like farmers. They want to make sure they can get to the city. <laughs> you go back to, I go back two years ago, yeah. <laughs> and like it's there's you know residents and like buildings and malls and like you know you know another hundred thousand people are living around that subway stop. China always plans ahead, and one of the things that China did to make EVs catch on at a faster rate in China than anywhere else in the world was they built out charging infrastructure all across the entire nation, everywhere, yes. even in like the middle of the desert. There'll be a charging station for electronic vehicles, and so this is something Gavin Newsom is taking back, and this is from his website again, the same website we were quoting earlier. The governor announced California. California is set to distribute $40.5 million in federal funding to build 270 EV fast chargers at 26 sites along highways, and then a moving down, and receiving another $380 million to create 6,600 miles of EV corridors with at least four fast chargers every 50 miles. So what's that going to do? Right now, there are Californians who say, of course I want an electronic vehicle, mm. but where am I going to charge it? Yeah. But now they won't have any excuse in about a year because they'll long. be able to charge pretty much anywhere <laughs> they go, just like a gas station. What is required is what China did. You built out the infrastructure. You know, if you build it, they will come. That comes from a famous Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is what Gavin Newsom is doing. Yep. He's learned from China. They built out what was needed and then the EV sales came yep. and that's coming to California. Look for two to three to four years from now, California having the same kind of proportions of EV on the road as China. And that is one thing that Gavin Newsom is doing in cooperation with this, you know, Chinese ideas that are being shared through Tsinghua University and UC Berkeley. Great move, you know, because one of the initial, the biggest initial concerns about EV is that EVs could only serve as an inner city 
way of transportation because it doesn't yeah. last. It, you drive like you know, if I remembered correctly, in the beginning, the first batch that came to market, it, they were only able to take you to the distance of like 120 kilometers. So basically, like a couple days after driving it to and from work, you'll need to recharge it. And then last time I checked, it was like three, four hundred kilometers, and then probably, and I haven't checked that data for a very long time now with all the charging ports and really, really efficient batteries around, it probably lasts as just much as a traditional fuel-powered car. And if you give people, if you erase that concern from people's mind, and like I said, all of the EVs, no matter what brand, whether it's Tesla or other uh, Chinese brands, they all look amazing and they feel great. They're quiet and you don't feel as guilty when you're driving it on the road. And they all have these really, really amazing dashboards inside and makes you feel really high-tech and just feel just makes you feel cool people what's the what's the <laughs> excuse to not go for these evs especially right now when the price is more reasonable mm. i think a lot of people would just jump on it if they know every couple mm-hmm. of miles every 50 miles we can, i can just charge my ev if i miss one then there's the next one and my battery could last me there no problem mm-hmm. i think people would just jump on this well, there's also the hybrid option where if the EV, if the battery goes dry, you still have gas. You can, yeah, yeah, that's the one that my mom drives. Okay, so I wanted to switch gears a little bit. And this is something that, I mean, I love the environment, so I'm happy to talk about that. But I'm also, yeah, I am very concerned. And the purpose of this show, The Bridge Podcast, is not to just promote the environment, but to promote the relationship between China and my country, the United States, and the rest of the world. And so building bridges is critical. What are bridges? Bridges are actually just people. People who are, you know, Chinese people Mm. living in the United States, Americans living in China, or people who travel back and forth, they get to share their real firsthand knowledge of what it's like to maybe defy some of the bizarre things said by media personalities who have no experience living in China. So during, this is a quote from the same website I've been quoting, last one from this website, I promise. During his meetings with Mm. President Xi Jinping and high level Chinese (laughs) officials, Governor Newsom discussed efforts to boost the recovery of tourism between California and China and the need for increased flights. So you mentioned flights increasing. There's going to be even more of that increasing in the immediate future. And, you know, the ambassador Burns, the U.S. ambassador to China, also mentioned this in a tweet about a week ago. You know, the amount of students studying in China has dropped off to less than 10 percent of what it was in 2019. And largely that's because of the pandemic. But it is time to get those numbers back up. We need more Chinese folks going to America to study more. And, you know, actually, there was a de- I read this yesterday or maybe the day before. There's actually been a decrease of 34% in anti-Asian hate crimes in the United States in this year from the last year, according to the FBI. So we are looking at some positive news in terms of maybe the news cycle has not been saying as many mm. terrible things about China or something. But, you know, anti-Asian hate crimes are decreasing. This is the time for Americans to come to China and work and study and for Chinese folks to go to the United yeah. States and work and study, not just because of the benefits to yourself, because, you know, university in China is dramatically cheaper and you'll graduate with no debts. You should get over here immediately. But it's also good for our home countries. If you are from Connecticut, you are from Arkansas and you go to Shandong or Dongbei, <laughs> that's great for everyone because you can call your mom at back home and say, hey, guess what, mom? They have McDonald's here. Everything's Everyone's happy and people are nice, just like it really is. We need you, listeners, wherever you are. If you're in your home country, get out of your home country. Go live abroad. Go travel abroad. Come to China. And come to the United States yeah. and tell everyone that it's not like the crazy media is telling you it's like. 
And I have to say, now that we mentioned McDonald's, I just have to say, and I'm going to say this <laughs> at the risk of offending so many American people, McDonald's in China is just so much better than the one is in it? the United States. Is I, it? I have my friend's videos um, to as proof. I told them this and they're like, you're insane, Alex. And I took them to McDonald's and we got the spicy chicken wings and they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> this is so much better than the States. But again, oh my gosh. I, will, I will say this, and I think I mentioned it last week, a lot of people didn't, it's not that people just think about China and say, I'm not going to go there ever because of A, B, and C. It's that the thought doesn't <laughs> really even cross their minds. But when opportunities do, mm. do uh, present themselves, like the one that the World Sci-Fi Conference that just happened in Chengdu, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of people from the United States did come over and they mm-hmm. were absolutely mm-hmm. impressed mm-hmm. in a way that they didn't even expect. And it's just so different. It's just different. You know, there are things that you probably like or don't like, but it's just going to be very different and we're not asking mm-hmm. that you have to spend a huge chunk of your savings or your your monthly salary to do a trip of, which is something that you didn't think mm-hmm. about we're just saying just keep your eyes and your mind open if there are opportunities if there's job opportunities studying opportunities conventions visits mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. could bring you out here don't be close to that idea because you might be pleasantly surprised and i will say that regardless of the professional environment you're going to be in or whatever the food is guaranteed to be just amazing and i for someone like me i think a place has like really amazing food that's enough of a reason for me to enjoy a visit there so we really we really want people from jason's home country to come to my home country and we could all have a good barbecue session together (laughs) (laughs) well you know actually a real friend of the bridge podcast and a longtime listener who uh, Mm. i talk to online sometimes Mm. steven weaver came to China. And he was traveling through Beijing last week on his way to Xinjiang. Mm. And I went and met with him. We had about an hour walking around San Lutun, drinking coffee and talking about his trip. And you didn't call me. I'm so sorry. He mentioned (laughs) me. He said he invited me out for coffee on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, sure. Of course. A fan of the show. So I met him. We talked. He said he was having a great time. Him and his wife are over in China for a few weeks. You know, I think he's about retirement age. So he says he saves up each year for a great trip and he loves coming to China. This is his third trip to China. He enjoyed Beijing and he traveled around some other major super cities over here. And now he is touring through Xinjiang, also having a great time posting amazing clips of eating food and dancing. And it's just, you know, this is, I think it's a great, this is the perfect chance. You know, you always wanted to travel the world and China is right here waiting for you. Come over and visit China. I don't want to sound too much like an advertisement. This people to people exchange thing, (laughs) it is so meaningful for intercultural understanding that and it's very crucial for the future of the two countries yeah yeah yeah, absolutely so i think it's great that gavin newsom came over here and he's looking for ways for our two communities our global communities not just california but also Mm. you know the united states and i think that that is a wonderful i think that it's wonderful that he came came over here and if, if you're listening and you are part of a governor's team any governor Reach out to us. <laughs> Get your governor to come over here too. Hey, imagine how popular the governor of like, I don't know, New Mexico would be if they came and met Xi Jinping. Come on. This I would know. be a huge kick to your next campaign, guys. 
you know, Governor Newsom's <laughs> office have reached out to us as well. <laughs> yeah, if you're with Governor Newsom's office and you want to come on yeah. the show, you're a representative, <laughs> or you're, you can get Gavin on the show, we would love to have you on the show. We would love to have you come on the show and discuss uh, Gavin Newsom and his trip or Gavin Newsom himself. We would absolutely you email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com and we will get you a slot on this show. So news, this is from a different article. Yep. This is from abcnews.com. Gavin Newsom meets with Xi Jinping on China climate trip October 25th. And it says Newsom argues that California and other state governments have a responsibility to act on climate change, whether the U.S. and Chinese leaders are talking about it or not. So I think that's really interesting because immediately after Gavin arrived and he met Wang Yi, you know, uh, the foreign yeah. spokesperson for China, the foreign spokesperson of China left China to go to Washington, D.C., where he met with Biden, Jake Sullivan, mm. Anthony Blinken and others to enhance and deepen the relationship between Washington, D.C. and Beijing, between America and China, which is fantastic. More discussion is always welcome. And it looks like. Both Biden and President Xi Jinping will be going to San Francisco for the APEC meeting in a couple of weeks. So hopefully yeah. more positivity can come out of that and we can see our nations deepen our relationships in positive and meaningful ways. I think it is more crucial at this time of the world history, I think, for the two countries to really sit down. And there's a, you know, there's a very famous saying in China. We say meeting face to face will at least give you 30 percent of positive impression. I'm translating it very horribly. But that's when people say, yes, you can talk about business over the phone. Yes, you can email each other back and forth. But when you meet in person, <laughs> yeah. it does magic that just won't come through on paper. You know, there is a 5,000 year history. Everyone I talk to who is Chinese always has some Chinese adage or <laughs> idiom or famous poem that describes anything that could They're possibly all already happen. <laughs> They're all real. They're all real. They all exist. Okay. I, I just wanted to name that institute that is a partnership, quote, a partnership between UC Berkeley and Tsinghua University. By the way, Tsinghua is like the Harvard of uh, China, if you need a, an analogy. So this is called the A, it's literally a California China Climate Institute. So it's not the the California China Climate Institute. I've never seen this before. Maybe it's just ABC News, but a California dash China Climate Institute. You can go to their website and learn more about how we can deepen our partnership in combating climate change. So another thing the article mentions is mm. China's role as a raw materials producer for. So we're not talking about just cars too. We're also talking about cell phones, battery technology, new cars, yeah. all kinds of new tech. China is, you know, the linchpin, as it says, in California's requirement that all new cars sold in the state of California are zero emission vehicles by 2035. So that doesn't mean that 2036 in yeah. California, there won't be a Camaro going on the road. There will be. It just means no new cars <laughs> can go. <"Whoa." laughs> yeah. Maybe they can. You can just play that on your car's uh, yeah, audio stereo, system, yeah. but just, just get the same. Get an same electronic feeling. vehicle that goes. That, that's, no, this is its sound. <laughs> and then, and then you could play. Yeah, boom. yeah. I, I'll make sure our friend Tom Owens gets on this car immediately. He would love it. <laughs> yeah. So th I think this is also the same year that China set for the same thing. So there are very similar goals. Maybe they came out of the institute. I'm not sure. So the United States government under Trump 
left the Paris Accord, the Kyoto Protocols, and other international institutions that would require the United States to self-regulate itself and have specific carbon emissions dates for reducing carbon emissions. But China and California specifically both still have that. So California has promised to become carbon neutral by 2050. And China has promised to become reach peak carbon by 2030 and become Mm. carbon neutral by 2060. So in this article, it mentions that California has enshrined specific greenhouse gas emission reductions into law and that China has also taken that step. And also it mentions uh, that Mm. Gavin Newsom specifically said that China will always have a subnational friend in California. So despite whatever may be going on at a national level, California, at least under Mm. the leadership of Gavin Newsom and some of like-minded folks like him, and I, hey, I'm from California and I feel the same way. Maybe it's a California thing. Maybe it is. Maybe we're because we're Pacific, you know, people too. We <laughs> very much want to see our two peoples working together and working yeah. together on issues that affect everyone. Climate change doesn't just affect some people; it affects everyone, and it could affect all humanity for hundreds of years. We really need to make sure that we are on top of it. Absolutely, and I think we're bound by the same water body, which is another Chinese. No, it's not. I'm just oh making oh it gosh. up. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, you know there. I could probably find it, but it's just not off the top there of my head. There are radio shows, if you guys are interested, that are actually just about this kind of stuff, like Chinese idioms. You know, I think the idiom that I never heard this before, uh-huh. but after the Belt yeah. and Road Initiative took off, uh, starting around 2019, 2020, it was always, if you want to be rich, build a road. If you want to be rich, build a road, which is an ancient Chinese phrase. Yeah. It is true. It is true. It is not as ancient, but it's a very popular saying. Like, if you want to get rich, make the road first. That'll lead you to the fortune. We say that a lot, especially in the early 90s when, you know, a lot of because uh, just a little background on that, you know, a lot of villages are a little bit more, you know, isolated. And the road from the village to the county is not as it's not as smooth. It's not as easy to travel. And the government kind of came out with this overhaul plan to make sure that every village yeah. could. That, so that they need to put a little bit of their own money as well, that, that this roads are going to be built and it was met with some kind of opposition in the very beginning and that's when people started saying this like this this road is going to make you rich is it going to bring you money it's going to bring you prosperity and people Mm. got on board and that's why basically every village in china can be you can reach these villages just driving no problem i was in southern xinjiang so xinjiang is huge for you guys who don't know it's the size of a country so i was in southern xinjiang where the desert is i think it's called the taklaman desert and we were driving where there there were no cities for like five hours on a road going to this city called Pishan from mm. Hotan. So we were headed from Hotan mm. to Pishan. Wow, you were having an in-depth tour. In yeah, Sudan. Pishan is like a, a a formerly underdeveloped and impoverished kind of part of China. And so we were on this ro- this highway for four yeah. or five hours driving out there to look at some new mm. schools that the China built and some uh, new communities mm. that they built for impoverished people to live in for free. And what impressed me was, you know, I'm in this bus and it's dusty outside and I keep pulling the curtain back. What mm. was there now? Still just power lines and desert. Okay, go an hour later, pull the curtain yeah. back. 
still just power lines and desert, but this <laughs> highway was brand new. And I was thinking if you're in a part yeah. of America where your economy is like, there's no one there for five hours, you, how could you possibly afford to build a highway <laughs> like this? But you know, ch for China, it was so important in their poverty alleviation campaign to end all absolute poverty by 2020, which was successful, that it was necessary to build highways like this to places that are usually inaccessible to make them accessible so that places like Pishan can grow in their prosperity. And that is something that's really impressive. And again, China always builds out what it doesn't need first, <laughs> and then the economic results come after. Yeah, if it's in the States and it's in the desert and you drive off for five hours, there's no one around. That's where you go meet. <laughs> Just dirt road. That's where you go meet Walter White. <laughs> in oh, the middle no. Of the <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So again, more things that come out from China that are required for uh, California. China produces 50% of the world's sodium hydroxide. I have no idea what that is, <laughs> but it's used for sodium ion batteries and batteries, relatively yes. new technology that is making batteries last longer and be uh, more recyclable, among other things. Mm -hmm. So ending our article fest, this is something from a spokesperson <laughs> for California. One thing you have to consider here, particularly in California, you do have the largest Asian population yeah. and a very large Chinese population. And that's meaningful. Quote, California looks east. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for California and China to work together. And maybe mm -hmm. through doing so, we can drag in a lot of the rest of the country and create better and more meaningful relationships between all peoples of the world. Absolutely. And it's the first Chinatown ever in the United States. And that's also in California and San Francisco. It bears historic meanings to the Chinese community overall in the United States. One as well. last chart. I'm sorry. I'm so data driven. I'm, I, I can't think without data. If I didn't know this data, I couldn't do the show. I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> but this is actually really cool. I've been I looked at this graph over and over and over. <laughs> it's from Wood McKenzie Lens Power. They are a company and a think tank who mm. analyze. Um, you can find them online. They have a lot of great information about solar panels if you're looking to buy solar or wind. And they have a global wind solar equipment cost compared with China prices graph. And in this graph, it has wind turbines in every year 2020 to 23 and solar modules that solar panels from every year 2020 to 23. And the Chinese price point, Chinese manufacturing price is the lowest in every year and in every category. So if you're Gavin Newsom, if you're California or you just own a home in California and you want to mm. buy solar panels, the most cost effective solar panel you can find is from China. So by our cooperating, we can decarbonize mm. faster and in a more inexpensive way. Now, I want to mention, I don't want to say anything about, about California, so I want to mention there are some great scientific innovations coming out of the United States, like um, solar panels that can bend and be put around all kinds of different objects, and they're more flexible or they get slightly more uh, radiation, which is mm. the, you know, the light from the sun, and they can produce more energy, So there's, but they're not scaled up. Yeah. So that's the difference. The United States yeah. produces all this cutting edge technology on a very low, tiny little, you know, someone's yeah. scientist table. They're like, bro, I did it. Eureka. And then they move on. But in China, they're like, Eureka. And then they build like 50,000 <laughs> meters of it. You know? <laughs> so. 
Yeah, we have to find a way to mass produce it to make it actually beneficial for yeah, the China's people. ability to scale these things up is why China's price point is so low. It's, you know, and China does innovate and China has the most patents for these kinds of technology than any other country in the world. Where China's real strategic advantage is, is this manufacturing base. And if you care about the environment, you should care about getting solar panels on your home or your business as soon as possible. And that means find some Chinese yep. companies because they're going to be able to help you out. If you want to add to this conversation, tell us why we're wrong, why we're right, or just say howdy, please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com and we'd love to read your comments on the air. Thank you so much for your time, listeners. Thank you so much for your time, Alex. Always good to talk to you, Jason, and thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you.